Thanks for downloading this IMSA Radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA Radio wherever they get their podcasts. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to what is termed IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship a Practice 3. I'm calling it Night Practice, because that's what it is. There's an hour and 30 minutes on the clock. The full team's here. We're ready to go, and it's all live from here at Daytona. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. To bring us up to date with everything that's happening down there. A pretty full pit lane. We've just had the uh, movie crew filming uh, Brad Pitt drinking out of his drinks bottle 15 times. I'm so glad I'm not in the movies. Shea, good evening. Good evening, John, and uh, good evening to the Kelly Moss with Riley crew because I've wandered down to their region of the pit box. They've got the LMP3 car, but they've also got the GT3 Porsche and Trent Hyman. We knew that you were going to be with Kelly Moss with Riley in some form or fashion at Daytona. We just didn't know it was going to be in the Buddha car. But this car now has a little bit of the car that you tested at Daytona. Talk about the hard work of the crew for the 92 to piece it together and kind of put a little bit of zombie mode into it from the 91 as well. Well, I wouldn't say zombie mode, but, um, you know, for sure, for sure after qualifying so much, and it goes for every team on pit lane, everybody's blasting their cars apart through this reprep process. So, you know, for us, it made more sense, I think, to go to what we had in the trailer kind of ready to go rather than you know go through the process of repairing and all that stuff so um you know to be honest with you i think on on paper it made the most sense obviously bill riley you know andy kilcoin the whole kelly moss of riley team these guys know a hell of a lot more about this stuff than i do so i leave i leave that uh decision making in their court but um yeah it didn't seem to affect us really much and, you know, we all know this is a good car. We're comfortable with it. It's working the exact same that um, our previous car did, and, and we're very fortunate to, uh, to be back out here this weekend. You've raced with some truly great teams. You won the championship uh, back in 2019 with uh, Meyer Shank Racing. What's it like to work with Bill Riley and Andy Kilcoin and Victoria Thomas? It's super cool. I mean, I'll tell you, it's, it's tough to compete against them, and it's been like that for a long time, so obviously... It's nice to be here with them, fighting for uh, for a Rolex 24 victory with them. Uh, but funny enough, I mean, my first GTD race ever was with Bill Riley. Um, back in 2017, VIR, Hurricane Harvey was blasting through southeast Texas, and um, Ben Keating couldn't make the race, so he. Uh, I, I guess I was just the lucky guy on the day to, to get the call up to, to drive with your own Bleak Mullen back, back when they had the Mercedes-AMG. So that... It's like this, just this weird full circle thing that has happened. But I mean, what? We're almost seven years removed from that now, and it's just—it's a real pleasure to be back with Bill. I'm happy to see that nothing's changed, and uh, it's actually very refreshing too to see a lot of the same guys are still here. Didn't you wind up in the podium in that race? 
We did. That was all. That was all your own. I was totally riding on your own's coattails. But no, it was. It was. Uh, you know, it was a great day. It was an incredible day. But that was one hundred percent. You know, the the team and. Um, you know, I was just lucky to be in a really good situation and, and fortunate to take advantage. Now, you've been on the podium in this race as well back in uh, 2018, I think it was. You were the third driver in that situation. Now you're you're kind of the fourth driver, maybe third driver in this car. It, but as a professional, it's a very different role when you're not just the little silver amateur, isn't it? It is. It is. And it's amazing how, over time, just the exposure to this race and how much bigger it's even gotten over time as hard as that is to believe it's always been a massive event but obviously now it's just it's huge but the experience really brings down the pressure and the comfort level goes up so it you know i love this role because i'm able to enjoy this race so much more than back then i mean there's some argument to be made that ignorance is bliss and certainly back then for me it was but um yeah now to be able to really still be here still enjoying this and take it all in is is very special Enjoy every second of night practice. Thank you, Trent Hinman, driver of the number 92. Kelly Moss with Riley Porsche. Thank you, Shay. Adam, our crowd strike WeatherTech pit reporter. Very good. Uh, thank you to all of you for your kind words on the Mazda race, the Wheeland Mazda MX-5 Cup for 2024. Um, just a, a quick one, if you were watching and listening earlier on, being made aware of the fact that uh, Gresham Wagner won that with a flat left tyre. That happened before he did the donuts. Amazingly, he got clobbered as he was coming to the line. I've seen a couple of stills now of that. So he actually crossed the line with a flat left Michelin, somewhat remarkably, uh, and still managed to take the race. That's worth a little chat, I think, with him. We'll find him before the race tomorrow and uh, see what he can tell us about that. Ah, this is interesting. We're talking about uh, the Rileys there, Jeremy, down, yeah. uh, down with Chair. Yeah, Bill Riley, who's, uh, who's uh, the, the Riley of Riley Motorsports, of course, originally it was Bob Riley, Bill's father. And uh, last night at the Road Racing Drivers Club dinner, Bobby Rahal, the club president, presented the, the, the club's top award, which is a Phil Hill Award. Uh, which is uh, basically for services to, mo- to uh, road racing. Uh, I think the citation says that the, the, the person who the RDC feels has rendered outstanding service in road racing. And uh, Bob Riley was, uh, was uh, given that award last night. Fortunately, he wasn't able to be there. He was planning to be there, but a couple of weeks ago, he had a fall in the shop and broke his pelvis. Oh, that's so that's really sad. And Bob's he's still still designing race cars. He he, he designed the Trans Am car. I think that uh, Chris Dyson won last year's Trans Am championship. So still as prolific as ever as ever. Great guy. And and other former winners of the Phil Hill Award. The first one was in 1993, which it was first presented to uh, John Bishop. Subsequent uh, winners of the uh, Phil Hill Award. It include uh, Rob Dyson, Danny Sullivan, Elliot Ford Robinson, Bill France, uh, Derek Bell, Brian Redman, Jim France, uh, Skip Barber, Roger Penske, Bob Bondurant, Rick Mears, Hurley Hayward, uh, Chip Ganassi, Scott Pruitt, David Hobbs, uh, and, uh, and Mark, Mark Raffle for, for IMSA as well, who was the recipient last year. So some big names in the sport, and uh, it was a very uh, popular decision to give that award to Bob Riley for his services last night. And well-deserved. Absolutely, Absolutely, Jeremy. Wonderful guy.
Great stuff. Um, and it was the number 13 car that hit Gresham Wagner, by the way. Oh, um, amongst others. Um, well, amongst others, yes. That was, <laughs> yeah. There was a little bit of contact that during that race, wasn't it? Uh, was being Half the cars had the rear bumpers the rear. Anybody, as I said to you in the commentary, anybody who didn't have uh, their bumper fall enough just wasn't trying hard yes. enough, really. Um, they hadn't committed uh, enough to what was going on. Fully commit to Leyland Mazda. Uh, we're with WeatherTech Sports Car Championship now with an hour and a half on the clock when we started. I expect to see, Peter, a lot of ins and outs for pit stops. You'll see a lot of a lot of ins and outs for for pit stops for several reasons. Some teams will be taking tyres from their Michelin tyre allocation and just scrubbing them in, so taking that just that initial slickness off them uh, of when they come out of the the mould. That will mainly be for in the uh, hours of hours of darkness, where it's a tiny bit cooler. Albeit we are expecting to have one of the warmest Rolex 24s. For, uh, for many, many years, but no tyre warmers here in IMSA, so a little scrub can sometimes make a difference uh, for the teams. Also, the drivers have got to get their... Well, some of the drivers have to get night laps in, so they need three night laps uh, for the bronze drivers. Is That's mandatory. For gold and platinum drivers, they are exempt from that night lap requirement. Yeah, if they've raced here before. Uh, and the um, there's 49 drivers out of the 228 that are required to take part in this night uh, practice session if they're going to drive during the night hours uh, of the uh, of this year's 62nd Rolex 24 at Daytona. Cher uh, Adam is our CrowdStrike pit reporter for this session and has an update on Faf's McLaren. For fans of the Plaid, you're not going to see that car out around the circuit tonight. They had a mechanical issue that's actually going to preclude them from running at all. But the car is out on the pit lane because Faf knows this time is invaluable. Rather than fix the car in between the sessions and then lose this entire time of being able to be on the pit lane, they are doing fuel drops. So you will see the car on the pit lane if you're here at the track. With the doors up, no drivers anywhere nearby. They're practicing their refueling time, trying to make sure that it is exactly 40 seconds, which is the minimum refueling time. Then they're going to roll the car back behind the wall, empty out the fuel tank, come back out, do it again, go back, do it again, and rinse and repeat. So this is the kind of thing that does. This is why they've won championships. It sounded fantastic, whatever that was that was pulling away, Shay. Uh, 19 Lamborghini. Lamborghini, she said, is in my ears, Peter. Uh, you can't beat a howling V10 P, Mark, can you? It's pretty special. That engine, I think if you, if you look at the R&D dollars spent, I don't think you've got much better value out of that engine because it's been in the Audi R8, it's been in the Lamborghini Huracan, both race and road cars, um, and very successfully. I had it in an Audi so. estate car. In an RS6, of course it was in the RS6, wasn't it? S6. Um, was it an S6 as well? S6 Estate, which was one of the most ultimate Q cars you could have had. Because it didn't. It wasn't even the bulbous, wheel-arched RS6. It had S6 on the back, and it had a chrome Lamborghini V10 badge on each front wing, and that was it. And when you started it up, it sounded like a horde of angry insects every time you fired it up. 
or an old World War II. Actually, it probably sounded more like an old World War II fighter as it fired up. It was an incredible piece of gear. Normally aspirated, of course, so nothing to quiet it down. I'm very much frightened to guy in an X, uh, XKR S Jaguar um, on the A43 past Silverstone once. I'll say no more. Speed limit was not uh, disregarded, though. Only up to 70. But it got there very quickly. <laughs> I, I do think the new uh, Coyote engine Mustang oh. GT3 is going to definitely no, be up there in the competition for most musical note uh, of, of any of the race cars out there. Both in its GT3 and GT4 form, it must be said. It's a violent, snarling sound. Can you imagine what that's going to be like when we get them together for the... Um, for the Mustang Challenge multiple of those together oh my goodness um, Malcolm Wilson's N Sport doing that engine for that car yeah the, the block starts off um, the block starts off at the uh, Ford production plant correct um, it starts life as a Coyote 5 litre V8 then it's bored out to 5.4 at the Essex engine plant before it's then shipped away to Cumbria in the United Kingdom where uh, the M Sport uh, very much known for world rallying uh, basically complete the engine build it by hand and then it gets shipped back to uh, to Multimatic here in the, in the United States so it goes on quite a journey the engine yeah it does doesn't it yeah it's a yeah, long it's g- before it gets into a race car it's g- yeah it's got to have its Esther rebuild when it gets as soon as it gets get got to have its Esther it. and it's uh, all its vaccinations going one way and coming back the other that's right um, it's going to be interesting to see how many cars we get out on track this evening. I, I uh, saw a few people down and I just had some some uh, supper down in the uh, paddock area and spoke to a f- got a chance to speak to a few people. Number 14, Vassar Sullivan Lexus, I do not expect to see out there. They, they're pretty happy where they are, don't want to put any extra miles on it, look after the tyres, etc., etc., etc. I think a few other teams are not going to do many laps either, just do the, do the minimum they, they, they need to do f- to get their night drivers qualified night practice laps to enable them to be able to drive at night during a race do some refueling stops do some pit stop practices uh, and then uh, call it a night so uh, yeah th- there will be some teams that run all the way through this hour and a half but uh, I think there's quite a few who are planning not to overextend themselves this evening because just one more practice after tonight will take place tomorrow afternoon I think uh, the last practice before the race. Just lunchtime tomorrow, yeah. actually. Uh, and that is effectively the warm-up. There's no warm-up on Saturday morning, which um, we don't always have a warm-up for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Uh, there's no warm-up, for example, at Sebring either. And we do have a warm-up at Road Atlanta for Batupatila Morn. We don't at the sale in six hours of the Glen and I can't remember we, oh well we haven't had the long race at uh, Indianapolis yet so I don't know and I haven't seen a timetable um, we, we seldom if ever have a, a warm up for the, the shorter races so it used to be a thing didn't it warm up uh, Formula 1 even used to have a warm up time since that happened I suppose that speaks to the reliability of racing cars nowadays Jeremy that they go up their warm-up procedures, the pre-warm, the coolant and the lubricant. 
I'm, I'm hesitant to say water and oil because probably neither of those are true. Um, but they go through a, a preheating process before they fire the engine up and uh, then it runs for a bit, then they take it to the grid and and then it's ready to go. Which yeah. Looks like your street car, scarily yeah. enough. Pretty comprehensive uh, programme they have to go through before that, but uh, yeah, good point. At yeah. RSL, and, sorry, excuse me, at, at IndyCar race breaking out again. We've got Joseph oh, yeah. Newgarden ahead of Scott Dixon ahead of Colton Hurt. Look out of place on any NGT IndyCar series race at the moment. So Newgarden fastest at the moment, 136.018. That's a pretty good lap. You mentioned mm. warm-up cycles. Uh, for, for those uh, who have got the, the privilege of being at the circuit this weekend, go to the uh, go to one of the Mercedes AMG pits and listen to that car on its oh. warm-up cycle. It's like the world's ending. It's. Uh, I remember being at the pit lane in Monza last uh, last year and uh, the CP racing team warming there. 6.2 litre V8 uh, AMG up in it. That's still the big engine car, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Interesting it is. enough, because the Aston Martin is the four-litre mm. AMG Turbo engine. Yeah. That hasn't made its way into the AMG race cars yet. It's interesting. It will Whereas, do. But the GT4 version of the Mercedes-AMG GT does use it. When that deal was done with Aston Martin to use that four-litre engine um, for their street cars, one of their race cars, I got a, a good look at the car long before it was released and we recorded a whole load of features before it, it came out on this strict understanding that obviously we wouldn't play them. In fact, we, we played the road car feature as it was being unveiled to the press and we played the race car feature as that was being unveiled to the press as well. Um, and thank you very much to... Aston Martin and Aston Martin Racing for trusting us with that because they never even asked us to sign a piece of paper would you believe it um, however talking to the engine guys they said they were stunned at how relatively laconic AMG were about what they did to their engine um, would like to tune it a bit and make it a bit more Aston Martin -y. yeah yeah fine well you know we actually quite like to change the maybe change the the timing, few of the electronics, maybe some of the internals. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And, and you know, that's not what you expect, is it? But that was a true. That's a true partnership that they have with AMG for the supply of, of, of the components. And in, in a good way, that gives the, the car a different character. I think that's, that's important. That's exactly what they were going for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because if you're, you're in the showroom and you're thinking, well, if you take it the road car, for example, you go, oh, do I buy a this this car or that car? And They've both got the same engine, and if it's tuned identically, then it, it's going to feel fairly similar in, inside. So, no, really, really interesting, that, actually. So I was shocked at the time, and, and I, it's a story that I, I keep remembering to bring up from time to time because I, I think it's really important to see that that's how, those, that's how those manufacturers can work together. You know, Aston Martin is not, by any stretch of the imagination, selling the amount of cars uh, that Mercedes will do. Uh, probably not even that AMG will do but that's a pretty good go, good go. Um, a few cars that were having problems earlier on um, I'll go through the cars that we haven't seen this evening and are unlikely to see at this point but let's first of all uh, get some updates on the recent Ferrari and the Corvette number 3 Corvette number 3 was back in its garage earlier on we just had an incident for the number 74 uh, riding Ranch 74 Orica which is back on the track though this was coming through 
turn one and a big spin and a flat spot of all four Michelin tyres as they hit the transition. I don't think they hit the tyre wall. Uh, they've got a right rear puncture on that tyre, actually. That's through the flat spot. Car sitting in seventh oh. in its category at the moment. I'm not sure that car's going to get back. It's Josh Burden behind the wheel of that car. Shay, go ahead with the update while we watch this car limping back. Okay, no, uh, the three Corvette was back in the garage for a lot of the last session, all of the last session, as a matter of fact. It's out on track right now, turning laps in the darkness. Uh, this car, which had an issue the other day, it was during the roar, as a matter of fact, there was a little bit of some rubbing that was not pleasing to the Corvette racing crews. The red flag is out. That car actually into the pit lane goes straight to the pit out entrance. So they're waiting to go back on the track when the red flag is lifted. I would assume uh, the red flag out to retrieve the 74 Riley. Uh, but the problem was some rubbing that was uh, causing some friction within the engine compartment and the crew did not like that. So unfortunately, uh, they believe that that started up again, which is why they missed part of the session, but they think that they might have gotten it fixed. So that's the good news. They're out doing a long run now to try and see if the drivers report similar feelings. If they don't, then everything is good and back to normal. The four car was in the pits uh, with the hood off, actually, Earl Bamber behind the wheel uh, with the crew now having figured out the issue and put the hood back on, but now the red flag means that they can't go back out. The other car that I checked in on was the number 62 Risi Competizione Ferrari because I feel like every time I've looked at that car's box, the car's been sitting there, at least as far as practice today is concerned. So I went over and I checked with Rick Mayer, the genius on their pit box, to say, are you worried? Is everything okay? He's not worried. Everything's okay. Okay, that's good. Some better news then. Uh, not for Josh Burden and the Ranch 74 Riley run Orica with, I think, two flat tyres at the rear of that car. He wasn't going to get that back. The hard-working IMSA racer, AMR safety crew, the the left, right, now the left rear went, that might have been down even before he turned oh, in, actually. So, so it was cause rather than effect? Nah, maybe not. I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to say. It's hard to say, but that was a high-speed spin, and there used to be a tyre wall that went all the way across there. Yeah. Uh, that disappeared a few. Who ran straight into it? Was it? It was the Wayne Taylor Racing car, wasn't it? Was that? Was it Max when he was still driving? I Am I making that up? Did yeah, I dream it? Seeing the cartoon. Um, it's meant to stop you from going. It was meant to stop you, the, the drivers from going straight on. Just is out the car, and our intrepid EMR safety crew saw the guys. And girls at breakfast this morning said, hope you have a very boring day, <laughs> which is our usual greeting. We say that in the nicest possible way. Very jealous of their company cars. Oh, the Cayenne GTS. We were admiring it at one day, Tuna, last night. It rumbles. Oh. It rumbles. Um, tell you what, Pete. With Whalen Engineering uh, lights. Oh, yeah, we love those. The synchronous lights are great. I thought it was Bluetooth, and I found out today that that is actually satellite-controlled, and they can synchronise the clocks on the flashing lights. Oh, that's just too clever, far too clever. Uh, Pete, whilst we've got a little bit of a red flag, um, you give your headset up, because I just saw Mark Miller behind you there. So let's get Mark in for a, a quick chat. Uh, well, the... It's on. Uh, it's on red. 
and uh, we'll talk to his teammate in a wee second. Mark Miller, welcome to the booth. How are you, fella? I'm quite good. I, quite it looks good. a lot more fun out there, though. But, um, Way down there. Wearing the Thays colours. Now, come on, tell us about this, because this has been building for a wee while now. You and I talked about this a little over a year ago, was it? Yes, it, it all started to come together, yeah. Yeah, like uh, late in, um, in 2022, actually, is when progress really started to dig in. But uh, we didn't really get on track until the Detroit Grand Prix, which is, you know, six months later. So, um, But when we when, when Thays really puts their mind to it, they're going to do it proper the first time. Mm. Um, and it gives us a great opportunity here to, to like, really know where we're going to be from Sebring and on. So um, announcement came out today. Have a have a, a teammate, young young driver, Josh Green, that's joining us, uh, coming from NXT and the Indy, Indy Lights, um, as well as the, the ladder series, the four open wheel ladder series. So making his adjustment to sports car racing and really going to give him a welcome home and a proper, proper send-off here for Sebring. Faze and you are from the same part of the world. And it's incredible to think that Motor City and that area of the U.S., and I think you're the only driver from there, and I think Thais are pretty much the only team from that. Yeah, it's it's always surprising to me. I For years, uh, even when I got a chance to go to Le Mans, I was the only professional sports car racer that lives in Michigan, born in Michigan. And when I got the news that Thais was going to start a team in Detroit, I'm like, well, it's my home state. I have to reach out to them. Like, you need me. I need you. I really want to work with a, a team based out of Michigan. Uh, I think it's got a lot of synergy that way. And it's the Motor City. I mean, who wouldn't want race teams coming from Detroit? It's a great opportunity. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy. I feel like I found a pretty good home. We we have a little saying, um, you know, Thay's fam. And it's like a family unit. Like, I feel part of their, their family. We've uh, we've grown pretty close pretty quickly. So, uh, yeah, we've only run two races, but we've made a big impact right away. Oh. Um, and so, well, tell us about those two races because we we'll get you teammate in a sec. But you've been there for both of those races. But it was an extraordinary debut uh, and entry into into the racing into the championship. We came out of the block swinging in a good Detroit fashion, <laughs> you know. So I mean, uh, yeah, we we shook the car down literally for a couple hours. Michael DeMeo and I were teamed up for for the two races last year, and qualified well, practiced well, always uh, at the sharp end of the grid. And had a great podium result right from the get-go. And honestly, if if I wasn't so, I, I take some of the blame for not winning the race because if I was a little more, con- if I was the confident, oh, this is the Detroit race. The Detroit race. Oh, man, that I had, was so hard to pass on that track, on the it, new track. Let's but not we had we had a potential for the lead there, but I I was so worried about not making any contact that would end our race mm. that I wasn't really that aggressive. To, to maintain the lead, and uh, there was a good opportunity there to to do what uh, Morad did in the other AMG, and, and like really like get through and then pad the gap because we had the pace to to run up front and win. But um, I think the end result is still the same. We were able to really celebrate there uh, on, on the waterfront, spraying champagne. We had so many people there; it was fantastic. And then to go right back into most sport, we didn't know. Again, I usually know a week in advance if I'm racing with this program and it's at most port it was kind of like hey are we gonna race because i'm kind of want to book my travel and like get up there and most port was the same type of thing but when we when they commit to it it's 100 percent. 
same thing happened here at Daytona last weekend. I really showed up here to, to help out the team and had no intention of racing a car and turned out I was racing. So, so is it going to be a full pilot challenge uh, campaign this year? Yeah, from Sebring on right. is the plan. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And, and wh- why not here? I don't know. They didn't... Uh, ne- it didn't all come together quick enough. And again, if they're if they're not one hundred percent sure that it's going to fly right right from the get go and, and be a perfect result, um, if they know that they we can't just put all of our best best feet forward collectively as a team, they would rather save it for a better day, you know. And I think that's that's the plan. And now we have Think Ducks lined up. We're ready to go, and uh, we're going to launch that at Sebring. Let's get Josh in that seat, swap over, if you don't mind, uh, Mark, and we'll have a wee word with your teammates as we go back green. It'll be a little while before we get back up to to speed. Josh, welcome. Um, what an opportunity, and uh, welcome to the IMSA Panic. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a very warm welcome today. I've seen a lot of familiar faces. Uh, Mark has brought me around the paddock. It's been really awesome to, to shake so many hands and meet so many people. And, man, you cannot walk more than five feet down the paddock without someone trying to shake Mark Miller's hand. Oh, well, that's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the, the Miller Show. That's why we call him the Miller Show. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, now, you, you've come from open wheel ranks. But basically, you've been coming up through the ladder system. You know Jeremy uh, very well from Team, Team USA. Do you have to have an open mind about where your career is going to go in terms of, of becoming, a, because you want to become a professional racing driver? Absolutely. You always do. Um, and obviously when opportunities come, you have to sort of grab them by the horns and, and get after it. I've been very lucky for, for Thais to sort of give me the opportunity to allow me to, to move into sports cars and to have someone like Mark Miller at my side helping me learn and make the transition very well. I think it'll open my, my eyes to a whole new world of racing. Have you sat the car? Have you run the car yet? Nope, I have not sat in that car yet. Um, I'm very excited to to be a part of the Mercedes family and get to get to drive one of these very cool cars. And I've gotten some experience in GT4 cars. Uh, I work up at Monticello Motor Club, which is just north of New York City, um, and I spent a lot of time up there. I work with a lot of different drivers and a lot of different cars: uh, GT3, GT4, Miatas. So I've gotten the experience in lots of different cars, but never a Mercedes. Funnily enough. Oh, really? Yeah. When are you going to get your first opportunity then? Uh, Don't tell me it's in first practice at Sebring. Hopefully early February <laughs> before first practice at Sebring. So. Jeremy, you know this young man quite well. Indeed so, yes. Uh, how's the film career coming along? Oh, you're still doing your, movie, whoa, your movie whoa, whoa. projects? I have. I have. Um, I do a lot more imagery now, though. A do lot you? more film imagery. Um, that's been sort of the thing I've been on. I'm doing sort of race-by-race race documentaries with, with all my film. Really? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Multifaceted is, is Josh Green. So, uh, and what sort of stuff are you doing, Josh? Uh, mostly just film photography. Um, I've been in photography sort of my whole life. And when I was younger, even prior to my whole racing career, uh, I was doing photography for money. Um, and then, obviously, racing took over the world there. Right. Yeah. What do you reckon to... This is a Vista. Could you do something with this from the Global Broadcast Centre? Absolutely. I've seen so many awesome photos with the Ferris wheel with the very long shutter panning shots. Yeah. It's so cool because the cars, you know, they all have those little LED strips. So you get to see sort of the different funky colors. Um, so it's very nice to, to see all the different photographers experimenting. Have you I seen any night racing before? Uh, I've been to the 24 before. Um, one other time in 2019, I believe. Yeah, same year as the scholarship. So, right? yeah, yeah. As a spectator? As a spectator. All right. Yes. Wow. Okay. Um, you won't have done many long races either so 
you, you, there's a four-hour race coming for Mission and Pilot Challenge at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course where Pilot Challenge is the main event. So that's something really exciting to look forward to. Extremely exciting. Uh, it'll be my first real endurance race in a car. Um, I've done one singular other event in an MX-5 Cup car that was just over an hour in the car. But besides that, I've never spent more than, let's say, in 45 minutes in a race car before. You are going to love it. You are going to love it because it gives you the opportunity to see racing in a whole different way and how it develops out there. Both Jeremy and I have done a bit of longer distance racing. I was fortunate enough to do a GT4 24-hour race at Cota a few years ago. And um, we play at it. You're doing it for a, for a job. So good luck with that. What, what Do you set yourself goals for the season? And if so, what are they? Absolutely. Um, I've worked with Jacques Delaire throughout sort of my career on the way up here, um, just on the mental coaching side. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned from him is, is the goal should always be to show up to every weekend and perform at the best of my ability, right? Um, we see all these different sort of terms being thrown around about drivers being professional drivers. And the biggest thing that makes them pros is that they do the job to the best of their ability in every single facet, no matter the adversity or anything that happens. Inherently, we can't guarantee results, um, but we can do our best and we can make sure that we get absolutely everything out of every weekend. And I believe if we do, we'll be fighting for a championship at the end of the year. And we've got a four-hour race tomorrow. Are you hanging around for that to watch the Michelin Pilot Challenge? Absolutely. I'll be, I'll be around. Checking out the competition? Because you want to, as Mark said, Thiers don't do anything by half measures. No, absolutely not. And obviously, as he was saying, that's one of the reasons we, we weren't here. Um, Thaze is 100% committed in making the strongest possible com uh, competitor throughout the entire season. So um, I'm going to be here watching. I'll sort of keep an eye out for what different cars are doing. And the biggest thing that's different is the way the stint system works. Um, obviously, in all of my Formula car experience, we're only ever one driver in the car. I know a lot of the times here we have a stronger driver finish the race yep. and the weaker driver start off the race. So it would be very interesting to see sort of the difference between those starting and finishing drivers. And that sometimes changes in the four-hour races yep. as well. You, you get more even... Uh, more equitable but Josh welcome to the world of endurance racing are you still keeping an eye on single seaters oh I always will have an eye for it right I mean it's always going to be sort of that that goal of yours that's always sitting there but the real real goal for me is just to become a professional race car driver and I think this is the best direction and I'm I'm extremely fortunate to have have Thais helping me out with that well you're not gonna hear any gain saying of that uh, from anyone in this booth or indeed any of our listeners Josh Green, thanks for joining us. Mark Miller was with him beforehand from FaZe. And uh, that's a couple of names to keep uh, in your mind. FaZe, we know how good they are. And Josh Green, we will find out how good he is. Josh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, let's head back down to Shea with a CrowdStrike pit lane report. Shay, what do you got? We've got our first team that's done for the night. That would be Magnus Racing. That will surprise nobody who's been fans of them for a very long time. They sent out Andy Lally, made sure that the headlights were pointed in the right direction, and parked it for the night. What a super bit of news there from Mark Miller and from Josh Green. Jeremy, we, I mean, Thiers burst onto the scene and did an absolute cracking job we expect nothing less of, of Mark, in fairness, consummate professional. But even so, to get the results they did at Detroit and then at Canadian Time Motorsport Park, I think it's quite funny, actually, listening to Mark saying, oh, I could have won that race if I'd been a bit more aggressive. It was a fantastic race. Yeah. I, I was at Le Mans when we called that from the, from the Trotman's kitchen. And uh, it was absolutely stunning.
I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. They're not going to do things in half measure. That that's a really interesting pro- project to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a it's a brand new team, uh, just set up last year. But uh, most of the guys on that team got a lot of experience in in all sorts of different series as well. So, you know, they're a, a really good group of professionals who are you know, committed, as Josh and Mark both said, to to winning. Yeah, that's and that's you know, that's what it's all about in the sport, isn't it? If you're not you're there to make up the numbers, you're wasting your time and money. That's not uh, what that uh, Thames competition team is all about. So that's a great opportunity for him, and good to see that um, you know another well another TBSA driver uh, you know back back racing again because he started off in in Indy Next last season, and mm. you know the budget didn't last through the year. I know he was talking to. Uh, with some teams to to get back into the series of this year, did a test I think in December, but I think this is a really smart move for him, um, and uh, I think he'll, you know, he's, he, he, as you heard him there, you know, he speaks well, uh, he's a good representative, and uh, this is a, a very sensible decision. And it, it's indicative now of the the hard choices sometimes that young drivers have to make very early on in their career, Jeremy, and, and you deal with so many, you see so many of these young young drivers, both male and female, who have a dream of the top flight in single seat in motorsport, either yeah. IndyCar or Formula One, and, and, and that, it is such an infinitesimally small percentage of drivers that get through there, there's, you know, 22 drivers in, in Formula One, under 30 drivers in in IndyCar, that, that's yeah. such a tough ask. And, and and the budgets these days are so astronomical. I mean, they're, they're just out of reach for certainly clear out of reach for for most sort of normal people. Uh, you you've got to pull lots of strings uh, to to get yourself uh, up the uh, well any racing ladder to be honest. But uh, so you know it's not easy. And one of last year's Team USA scholarship drivers is only uh, mm. seventeen. Uh, Jack Jake, uh, Jack Sullivan. Yeah, he he was here last night. He got in yesterday evening. Came on to the RDC dinner, and uh, he did Formula Fords this year. He did the festival and the Walden Hayes Trophy in, in the UK. And he's been trying to get a ride for next season. Looks like he looked about three days ago like he wasn't going to be doing much this year, if at all. And then he's made some connections through Brad Kettler, actually, who's oh. a a lo- who with whom he lives close to. And Brad made an introduction. And the day before yesterday. He got a call from a guy who has a TCR car that he, met, that he was going to be driving in just in sort of local events or, or you know, smaller events for this year, but then with a possibility of moving up into one of the professional series next year. So, you know, he's already looking at the, uh, at the uh, sports car route and, and he's super excited about it as well. We see the uh, over in Europe as well, Peter, uh, with young drivers who have the aspirations of being the next Lewis Hamilton or Fernando Alonso or Jensen Button. I'm not sure anybody really wants to be Max Verstappen, do they? Maybe I'm wrong. Um, Maybe as a driver, not as a person. Um, But even if you look at a relatively small GT field, um, even if there's only 25 cars there, that's 50 drivers rather than 25 drivers. You get up to something like this, there's... 60 cars, 59 cars. How many drivers did you say, Jeremy? 106 in uh, in Pilot Challenge. 106 in Pilot Challenge. Yeah. And how many in, in Rolex? 228. 
Right, well, it, even if only half yeah. of those are professionals, yeah. even if only a third of those are professionals, it's a numbers game at the end of the day, Peter. Totally agree. And, and it, it, there's also the, the diff, people have different definitions of what professional means. Professional can mean, you know, being paid a salary, but some might say professional is coming having a seat in a race car without having to bring any money and you can then collect sponsorship for your helmet or for yep, whatever. Uh, whatever it might be and that can add things you know there's business models of, certain of other of championships we have in the UK are kind of like that where nobody's being paid a salary but there's people who are making a living if that sounds odd but you know because what I'm they're to say. doing their own business yeah. deals. correct and, yeah. and, that, and that's that's a bit of clever thinking Jason Plato did that for years um, he probably created the model, I would yeah, say. He, yeah, he made, yeah. You know, made a limited company out of his racing and and, uh, and off he went. And, and I think that's it's a really good point to make. And also, in sports car and endurance racing, you've got manufacturers who are investing. Yeah. Porsche have been the, the model there, but Lamborghini um, and other teams have got junior driver programmes. Look at how much Mazda put into the MX-5 that, you know, $1.2 million. Now, it's not all going to go to one person, but heavens above, there's not another series anywhere in the world that's got that kind of money at that level of racing. No, unless you, went, unless you go and win the Indy 500. Other than that's in this a, country. That's mm? it, that's Other it. than in this country. The rest of the world, there isn't. No, exactly. Uh, I mean, th- th- Here, that, it would have to be stock really lucky in, 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 in North America because there is that sort of ladder system, both in open wheel and in sports cars as well. And uh, yeah, the, But you go to England and win a championship and uh, well done um, and pay three times as much next year. The, 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 winning, the winning car at Le Mans, um, I think the last time I looked, it's 30,000 euros yeah. for, the, for, for the... And a lovely trophy, mind you, and a place in history. Don't get, don't get me wrong, but racing here in the States, there's a number of championships that you can probably break even or do a little bit better, whether it's you know World of Outlaws or the, there's, there's money to be had there for... for Mazda we talked about as well. Uh, let's go down to share down in the pit lane for us and our CrowdStrike pit report and more answers to more questions that we've been asking. And this one's going to make you really happy and I'm really happy that Jeff Mustawi was able to answer it for me. What do the cars look like when they go to the wind tunnel testing? What kind of livery is on the car? Well, it is a standard matte wrap. And they are patrolled with how they apply the wrap to the car. They're very cognizant of where the seams are. Once the car is done with the testing, they are then 3D scanned to make sure that there is a record of exactly how the car looked for every millimeter, including the bottom of the car. Everything is noted, and then they are held to that benchmark standard. So really cool. Uh, I actually got to see a picture of it. It, it looks almost like um, like a flat Cerakote kind of a thing. And the cars look completely neutral. No headlights, no nothing. It's just the shape. And it, oh, it's it's a really neat thing. So we asked the question, and thank you to uh, our friends in IMSA Technical for answering. That, excellent. Sure. Thank you very much. And thanks to Matt for, for answering that question. That was the answer to the, the question. Uh, Jeff, excuse me. Um, thank you, Jeff. That was the answer to the question we asked earlier on about um, matte finish versus uh, gloss finish on cars, whether it made a difference. And it prompted the thought from us here, as a moment or two ago, we had the number 60 Iron Lynx Lamborghini going through the tyre chicane 
and not through the Le Mans chicane, but stays up high on the walls and didn't get anybody's way. Probably the question for me about... Paying how, attention to the briefing, in other uh, words. Yes, indeed. Um, probably the, the, the question for me is to how the cars are benchmarked when they go benchmarked when they go to the Windshear Tunnel uh, to have all the data recorders uh, and whether they would be in bare carbon. Well, of course, even in bare carbon, there would be differences between one car and another. So a standard matte wrap then put on by the sanctioning body, by IMSA, and then the car 3D scanned before it goes in and when it comes out so that they have a a true benchmark. Excellent work. Um, from Jeff and the team, and thank you to Shea for finding that one out. I, I love it. Every day is a school day, and I like to learn yeah. that kind of stuff because that talks to Jeremy. The we always talk about teams that teams that have attention to detail, and sometimes it's easy to forget the sanctioning body has to have that same attention to yeah, detail. Yeah, it's good to see, isn't it? I mean, yeah, everybody tries to throw the sanctioning body under the bus and blame the section of your body for whatever if things aren't going right and uh, yeah, they can fight back as well as they're doing of course in the uh, in the uh, Ipswell Tech Sports Car Championship uh, in effectively tasking the manufacturers rather than the IMSA technical department on on the uh, making the bounce and performance adjustments mm. from race to race I think that's a really interesting concept uh, it's uh, one I don't think I've heard of anywhere else Shall we have uh, a look we'll at some times in the darkness, yes. Jeremy? Times. They don't count for anything, but my goodness, we're seeing some rapid times, Cessois. What have we got? We have, yeah. Pipa Durrani went fastest about five minutes or so ago. I think while we were talking to uh, Josh Green, Pipa Durrani turned the best lap of 135.708, which is quicker than anybody went this morning. Best time then was at 136.0 by Scott Dixon. The fastest time in the second session mid-afternoon was uh, a 35.589 by Alex Pelot in the, in the number 01 uh, also in the number 01 uh, Cadillac and now it's the number 31 Cadillac that is fastest again 135.708 uh, three tenths of a second quicker than the number 7 Porsche it was actually Felipe Nasser that set that time very very early in this session before handing the car over to Joseph Newgarden Augusto Farfus, number 24 BMW, got out fairly late, but has uh, jumped up into the third position for the BMW M Hybrid V8, that's car number 24. Third fastest at a 136.332, fractionally ahead of Scott Dixon in his number 01 Cadillac. Peter, you've been crunching some of the times further down and it's it's considerably cooler now with the air temperature 24 degrees track temperature 26 celsius that's 79 fahrenheit uh, on the track 75 in the air and, and that has had a difference to if you like the balance of performance yeah, uh, and, and yeah. you know here's a here's another thing that has to be taken into consideration well you look at the top of the timesheets in GTD at the moment, they happen to be two GTD Pro cars, uh, both uh, Corvette uh, Z06 GT3 R's, both naturally aspirated, of course. The Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo 2, car number 60, uh, that was Matteo Cairoli who set that lap 
um, very early in the session, also a naturally aspirated car, and then the Ford Mustang of Harry Tinknell. Now, you might think that does not sound unusual at all for those to be at the top of the timesheets, but the, this, in the first two sessions today, in the, more of the heat of the day, the Lamborghinis were really l looming down at the bottom of the timesheets. Likewise were those Ford, new Ford Mustang GT3s. And the Corvettes were not showing some of the, uh, not displaying some of the pace that they, they, they've got it within there. So there definitely is something about the, whether it be the darkness or the coolness that those cars are really, uh, are really enjoying, it seems. Yeah, that means two Corvette times there. Tommy Milner uh, turned a, oh, it's actually Earl Bamber in the number four car, 146.770. That is the fastest time of the day in GTD. Uh, the second quickest time in the number three car is Alexander Sims, who's driving that car at the moment. Tommy Milner is at the wheel number four. So, uh, you yeah, know, really, really good lap times there. Just looking back to, uh, to qualifying the other day, the fastest time was set by Sebastian Prio in the AO race in number 77. That's the Porsche, the 144.3. So that's the uh, ultimate uh, qualifying time that is best. But this is the best practice time we've seen so far in GTD Pro. And it's interesting, finally, for the first time, as, as you were just alluding to there, Peter Bakai, the top four are GTD Pro cars. Then the best of the GTDs, non-pros, which is Danny Formal, who set the time for the Andretti uh, WTR entry, number 45, it's Lamborghini, of course. Uh, then two more pro cars, the James Collado Ferrari, Ferrari Cominzioni, and the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW, with Brian Sellers, who set that time just a few minutes ago. Beautiful time of the evening. The Ferris wheel right into its I'm really showing off phase here with every colour on, on that it's brilliant uh, big moon as well tonight as it came up it, it's, if it's not a full moon it must be pretty I don't think it is a full moon tonight actually it's trying it's best to cut through any cloud that is there powerful moon not quite as powerful as the floodlights here at uh, Daytona International Speedway which astounds me every single time I come here uh, that and the PA system, I, I'm surprised you could... I wouldn't be surprised if you could hear the PA system in Orlando, it's so strong. <laughs> oh, I've just had a phone call from somebody in Orlando complaining about the yeah, noise. Well, keep it down, I know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, 45 minutes to go in this night session. There's still a goodly number of cars. Um, I said a bit earlier on, we, we talked about the cars that haven't been out. Don't read anything into this. But actually, uh, fewer than I thought, because... Uh, one or two of the ones that were late on parade have turned some laps now. Magnus, we heard, had just set the headlights and gone back in there when he'd done six laps. Um, Andretti Motorsports did 13 laps and then pitted. We haven't seen those guys for a little while. The cars we've not seen, the number nine, Faf Motorsport McLaren, which we won't see. Uh, Jack Hawksworth and the rest of the Vassar Sullivan 14 Lexus team, the GTD Pro Car. Uh, and Roman De Angelis and the rest of the Heart are racing 27 GTD. In fact, you know, as I say that, they have literally just gone out onto the pit lane and are heading out. So now only two cars that have not been out at all, that being the Faf Motorsport McLaren and the Vassar Sullivan Lexus number 14, the Pro car. Two cars that I think are in very, very good shape for the race. Uh, yes. And the, the Faf car, I think... we. 
you look at how long a career FAF have had in, in IMSA and it's actually you think they've been around forever but they actually haven't been and they've grown so quick to a place of prominence but when you see what they're doing now rather than just sort of parking it up and saying right that's fine they're going there the whole career they're meticulously practicing getting every last ounce of performance out of themselves out of the strategy the car everything and you, it's no it's no surprise why um, McLaren and Faf have uh, have come together. Um, mm. Yes, yes, Faf Automotive are a very significant McLaren de- dealer in Canada, but it, it goes beyond that too. Um, and I think when you look at Faf's results, it's it's no surprise why they've they've got this opportunity. Uh, improvement last time around by Mikkel Jensen for TDS Racing, the number 11 car. That had a few little niggly problems earlier on. 139.964 for an Oringa LMP2 car. That moves him into fourth position in class, uh, just 0.071 behind Ferdy Habsburg, who's in the pit lane for Tower. Uh, at IMSA Radio, please. Uh, by all means, if you're trackside here, listening on 107.9 WWDIS, Please send us your pictures and let's have a look at uh, your nighttime images. I could stand here and just shoot pictures on my phone all night. It's such a brilliant view. Right across the tri-oval, which is very brightly lit through the infield. Not quite as brightly lit. And then the very particular lighting, of course, on the rest of the oval, specially designed so that it doesn't shine into the eyes of the driver it's all coming from slightly alongside and behind them really very cleverly done these speedway systems uh, lightning for the first time around the whole circuit at Dubai for the 24 hours this weekend well, that's very much low level lighting it's not going to be as light as here and still lots of questions coming in about our coverage of that yes we've got a team out there headed by Phil Anson and Andrew Marriott with Peter Snowden and uh, Diana Binks doing the pit work and you'll hear Johnny and Bruce, Johnny Palmer and Bruce as well because the time zones really working for you if you're an endurance fan this weekend because there's a full ten and a bit hours of action before we even get to the grid here in our Michelin countdown at green so depending on where your time zone is and how you work it if you can't double screen it, then at least you can see a fair bit of action from Dubai before we start here and swap and change as you need through the race. And of course, it means that the business end of Daytona and the Rolex 24 here on Sunday, at the 24 at Dubai Autodrome will be well in the history books by then. The engine you hear in the background is the number 4040. It's the Dex Imaging Acura of rookie Jensen Button. 0.084 of a second behind. uh, And that is behind Scott Dixon, who's just rolled out, or at least Scott Dixon's car. 0.16 of a second ahead. uh, 1.2 of a second, rather, ahead of Maxime Martin. That is in his... Overall times, not on the track. Turn one, little bit of action for the rhubarb and custard, number 86 car, the yellow and dark red. 
that's a Porsche currently sitting in 17th position in class for Karang Lee and MTK Motorsports Mark Kwame's team we just run a little bit deep there into turn one yeah. with Kerong. He's the bronze graded driver in the uh, in the car, and they've got they've got a really interesting lineup there with Anders Fjord back, um, who I believe is the full season driver alongside uh, Kerong Lee for the season, and then uh, Klaus Backler, Porsche factory driver, and Larry Tenvorda. I'm so so pleased to see Larry Tenvorda getting an opportunity here at the Rolex 24. He's a, a multiple Super Cup champion, uh, multiple Carrera Cup uh, Deutschland champion, Carrera Cup Italia champion, and he's won in the World Endurance Championship on the very rare occasions he's been given a, a chance. So to see Larry get this opportunity is really, really encouraging. A, a serial winner in Porsche Cup. He knows how to get it done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. does he ever. Now, curiously, though, he, he's driven for the Dutch, well, he is Dutch, and he's driven for the Dutch GP Elite team for several years, and that's what he's had a lot of his success but he's actually switched for this year's Super Cup season he's gone yeah. gone to Colm Ledegar's team yes very interesting yeah it is it is so 38 and a half minutes to go RS2 part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels audio and visual uh, that's IMSA radio around the world all free live no blocks or breaks here at the track 107.9 FM at the weekend, the race is flag to flag on Sirius XM 202. And for those of you outside the US, then we can give you the pictures as well without interruption. Let's head back down to share for more comments from drivers who've been out, some drivers who haven't been out. So which version do you have now, Cher? Driver has just been out because, Andrea Calderelli, you look like you've been working hard, and it is hot for this Rolex. Uh, how is the Lamborghini? Because I imagine it's a little bit less warm, uh, less, less warm out here than it would be behind the wheel of the car. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite hot. It's quite humid as well in the car. But uh, let's say compared last week, we, we didn't expect such a big change of temperature but uh, so far is we're going quite well we're testing for the race we're trying we're trying to double stint tires and see what's what's happening and uh, with this heat is not going to be easy for the race so uh, so far so good as far as you guys are concerned uh, you have three out of four drivers that have rolexes already how badly do you want to get one for poor jordan yeah, he's, that's what he keeps saying since like two weeks. So we have to get one for him, that's for sure. Uh, well, I hope Dakota's listening uh, because as a person who's married to a Florida girl, you should have a little bit of advantage knowing that it was going to be this hot. Yeah, I know I know almost every single city of Florida now. So I've been bit everywhere from Tallahassee to Miami. So I'm, it's always my favorite race of the year, really. So even if we start... You know, just after Christmas, it's the first race of the year, but uh, it's definitely my favorite of the calendar. Do you approach this race in particular with any different sort of sentiment? Because the next race, hopefully, you're going to be in the top class. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I'm not thinking about March. I'm thinking about this race. I really want to to get it done, not just for Jordan, but for me as well. So, but uh, no, I, it's just I know that I'm going to change car from Sebring, but... Uh, this crew deserve a like, good position at the end of the race here, so it's uh, very important for Lamborghini this race, so we will push hard to, to make this happen. Good luck. Thank you. Just to explain that, 
Andrea will be in the SC63 and the US debut of the Lamborghini GTP LMDH car. Looking forward to that. And will that be its first time out, or will it have already been out for the WEC by then? Uh, no, they've been out for the WEC by then, won't it? Because they they've got their first race um, at the end of February and their prologue before that at uh, the sale circuit in Qatar. Just when you think that number 75 Sun Energy 1 Mercedes couldn't get any more colourful, it's got what looks like radioactive matter under the grill. It's normally the the, um, red or amber lights that make it look like it's on fire. They're bright green. You are absolutely right. It looks it looks like a, a cinematic version of radioactive fuel rods. Oh, oh. spin on the back straight. Is that the inner car? It's 22. It's the, no, it's the United, United car. Joey Garg. Last year's VP Racing uh, Sports Car Challenge champion. That's at the exit of turn seven coming onto the... Yeah, I think he lost it coming into turn one I and went straight right. on. Yeah, yep. Whoops. And Whoa. Then then spins it under braking. So I said on the back straight, my apologies, it was right at the end of the front straight. He's going to have to do a whole lap. He's missed out the infield, of course, but that's all right. He won't get a penalty for that. He was completely out of control and far better to continue the way he was than to come contra race. Didn't look like he had a great deal of choice in the match. No. It was very, very deep on the... Did he snag a break on the way in or did he just miss his braking point completely? Because it didn't seem to be slowing down very much at all as he came in. Maybe he hit a bump. There are a few there. Then just got off low uh, on the what would be the run into turn one. And I think it was the transition that caught him out. Car's been quietly doing its work in the last couple of days. Daniel Goldberg at the wheel. two faster times coming in recently but not a whole host of them this is I think Jeremy more about people getting used to what's going on having said that Nicholas Nielsen and Alex Quinn have both done uh, their cars best the last time around and uh, sorry it was BJ Garg wasn't it for United Autosports there Uh, now He's just shown as a 135.9 last time around. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, because he cut out the... Uh, the oh, uh, yes. In, in, <laughs> so has he just continued? He didn't come into the pits then? He didn't come into the pits, bizarrely. Right. So he will lose that time. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking at... If you're just joining us, you think, oh, that that kid's quick. Yeah. <laughs> if, if only he'd gone a couple of tens quicker, he would have had the fastest time of the night, <laughs> which would have been even better. Three wide on the banking. MDK high class right down at the bottom. And they were kind of okay. But up in the middle and moving around rather a lot in the draft. The Ranch 74 Origa. And on the outside, the Purple People Eater is the number 99. Which is is Spike, isn't it? Our dragon. 
that was all a bit sketchy for a moment there coming on to the tri-oval just goes to prove that these cars do move a bit of air Jeremy and that's only the P2 cars the GTP's a little bit bigger with a little bit more aero as well fun stuff we've seen some really tight battles haven't we it's almost like a race can we remind ourselves it's not even qualifying it's practice just practice that's when Ben Handley absolutely I mean to be fair there wasn't I think there might have been an ever so slight brush of contact but it was the firmest move from more than a slight brush yes I think there was a bit more Ben Handley stuffed it up the inside of uh, Tom Dilbert in practice uh, earlier on the uh, 0-1 Cadillac uh, that uh, it's uh, been running strong since they rolled it out the truck at the beginning of the roar test and has continued that momentum. Scott Dixon brought the car into the pits. He's got out. It hasn't. They've just dropped it off the jacks. Wonderful to see that car back running. They've really done a lot of running through practice. Who took the, the most the, of it? Who took the number forty when Taylor Racing with Andretti Autosport out first? Or was it Big uh, Jensen? Col- Colton Herta. All right. Okay. So did he do the 36.5? Yes. Right. Jensen's found the flash button, which I, I think he's enjoying. Nick Tandy's just put that car's fastest lap in, that car being the Porsche Penske Motorsports 963, the number six car, 136.7. Good enough for seventh quickest at the moment. Nicholas Nielsen's improved the LMP2 time of the number 88. Richard Mille AF Corsa to 140.542. And Josh Burden... Um, now with that run and a little bit of draft got a 142-0 yeah, that, oh was it just, just now he's done that so he got the car back going again yeah ok cool still just on 30 minutes half an hour to go IMSA Radio at IMSA Radio if you want to get in touch Chetila and the blue Ferrari going through in second position in GTD, Giorgio Sanagiotto behind the wheel of that car, just ahead of uh, yeah. Alessandro Perghidi on the timesheet for the Pro Class Ricci Competizione. Yeah, it was Eddie Chiva Jr. who set the time in the uh, number 47 Cetola Ferrari just a little while ago. Lap 18 out of 22 that car has now completed during this night's session. It's still number 45. Lamborghini fastest in GTD. That was the time set by Danny Formal a little while ago. He and Carl Marcelli, of course, had a huge amount of success winning the pro category in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo mm. each of the last two years. Uh, they've, uh, they also raced last year with Ashton Harrison still in the uh, Racers Edge Motorsports in conjunction with Wayne Taylor Racing uh, Acura in the long distance races last year to other races as well so that uh, now program now switching to a full-time ride for Danny Formal and Carl Marcelli with a Lamborghini and that's Dex Imaging on the side of that car that black and, and red car for uh, WTR Dex Imaging um, is um yeah never mind just look at I'll talk about that one later well, it's Dex Imaging, <laughs> so Dex Imaging. I think it's a, it's a, it's a basic copiers. I'm not sure right. whether that's the Golden's company, um, but um, it, 
Brady Golan, who's driving in the Pilot Challenge Series this weekend, his... No, it's not again. It's... Um... Carry on. Okay. All right, I'll come back okay. to that. Okay. Yes. When I get my... Uh, what, get my I, what I can say, I can say is the, it, the, <laughs> the liver, those Dex imaging cars, they do look fantastic, that red and red and black. They really do. Jensen's really coming into the pits in his car, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a go. Good bit of running Jensen's got under his belt yeah. uh, today. Cadillac versus Acura on the high banks. The number 10... Cadillac at the moment being driven by Marcus Ericsson and the gold front at zero one Cadillac is Sebastian Bordier who seems to be driving that car every time I look at the timing screen. Uh, Seb's been in that car quite a lot. They've spread the love I think. I, I, see, I think every time I look it's either Renger or Scott Dixon or Alex Below. So they, I think they're spreading the love very well. Jeremy's got his notes together. Yeah, it's been a long day. Here we go. It's been a long day. Um, Dex imaging, Jeremy. Yeah, What's Dex that imaging. about? So, uh, Graham we'll cut Dun- the rest of that out in post. So we, we talked with yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about uh, Danny Formal and Carl Marcelli being the full-time drivers in that 45 Lamborghini this season. Ashton Harrison, with whom those two drove last year in the Acura, also is uh, driving this weekend in that car. And the fourth driver is, uh, I think he is the youngest driver in the field, is Graham Doyle. Uh, and it's his family that is Dex Imaging. And it's also his family grandfather, actually, was the uh, was Danker Copiers. It was ah, on Wayne Taylor's aha. car yes. back at the beginning of the, uh, of the G- WSC GP era way many, many moons ago. So really coming, kind of coming full circle there. And young Graham Doyle made his pro debut last season in also in Lamborghini Super Trofeo uh, he was rather bizarrely in the LB Cup class as a 17 year old which is a bit weird um, but um, he he done very little racing he does some club racing does some some, some Mazda racing uh, but he was he, he won unsurprisingly the LB Cup category last year in Super Trofeo and this year uh, already now just a year later uh, making set to make his debut in a Rolex 24 at Daytona so a big year it has been oh. for young Graham Doyle from Clearwater in Florida he bought, bought his birthday he'll be he'll be 18 in uh, in March so uh, there's, there's three 17 year olds in this race uh, the other two being Connor Zilich who uh, was born in he'll, he'll be 18 in July and Seth Lucas has um, actually just turned 18. So uh, just two 17-year-olds, Connor Zilish and Graham Doyle. Colin Brown is at the wheel of the CrowdStrike Zero Four car. And that car is quickest in class with a 39-1. That car is no slouch. Colin let by the number five, Alizio Piccariello, Pro Tank competition Mustang sampling. <laughs> My line doesn't confirm. It's not a Pro Tank competition Mustang, it's Pro competition Mustang sampling. We're going to um, trip over that at the night, aren't we? <laughs> however, through the Le Mans chicane and out on the run into Speedway Turn 4, the Pay 2 lost nothing at all. Well, Malta Jakobsen, who's been doing very much a lot of the the 
so we say the heavy lifting done a lot of running in that car and he has been the fastest driver in that car throughout every single one of the roar sessions and likewise here in practice too so Malta Jakobsen has really been putting some big mileage in in that LMP2 machine for uh, CrowdStrike Racing with APR or by APR excuse me Cadillac Racing Sebastian Baudet in the gold fronted Cadillac which has been chased down there for a moment by Marcus Ericsson in the black and blue with Taylor Racing with Andretti Autosport but uh, WTR car into the pit lane he's behind the wheel of the 31 that's Tom Blomqvist fastest car of the night and he's got a bit of space in front of him actually he comes down to the line now under our feet heads down towards turn one that was a 136.7 for him ahead of him he has the 22 of United Autosports with Bijoy Garg behind the wheel United Autosports USA I should say also Stephen Thomas in the TDS racing car and sandwiched between them is a GTD Pro car which I can't see at the moment it is uh, we'll catch up with that later because going behind the wall is the Faf McLaren they're going to empty it of fuel again and then push it back round again do it again guys I think that might be end of the night for them Shears down in the pit lane we'll grab a word with her in a moment just looking to see where the uh, the lone Ligier LMP2 car is in the field 8th fastest is the answer Joao Barbosa I think it's just left the pit lane in car number 33. The Sean Creech Motorsports Ligier JSP 217. It's been a while, two or three years, since anybody has driven a Ligier P took out anywhere in, in, a, in a serious championship. And um, yeah, the, the team, they're, they're pretty pretty confident. The cars run nice and reliably. They're gaining experience with it, learning what makes that car tick. They made a lot of changes during the Raw weekend. And, and uh, Johnny Edgar, the youngster from the UK... He's very highly rated. Uh, won a race in uh, F3 last season, uh, and he's been a winner all the way up the open wheel ranks. Uh, very talented young man, I think, and he's set the eighth fastest time during this session. It, this is his, his, other than on Friday night or whenever it was last weekend, the first time he's driven at night. Anthony Florio has tweeted at Ibsen Radio with a fantastic image uh, of the Conninger, Danker, uh, Riley and Scott, the Doyle Oldsmobile, Riley and Scott, Mark III, winning in 1996 here at the Rolex 24. Sure, they and had the Danker livery on the Ferrari Triple Three as well. Yeah, yeah, they did. Great car. Conninger, Danker, Conninger, Minolta, Dex Imaging. Are you seeing some kind of progression here? Yep. And uh, it, the... Dex Imaging CEO is Dan Doyle, yeah. the Lambo driver being Graham Doyle. Correct. So that's how it all strings together. Yeah, because Danker was sold to Conlick and Minolta. Uh, Danker bought out Kodak's um, analog copying rights, effectively, but that j- j- just around about the time everything was going digital. And. Um, it probably wasn't the smart, the best best of moves in terms of business, um, but uh, eventually that can't, can't be taken over by Conlick and Minolta. But um, yeah, interesting ties through the years. 
down here with another driver who's just gotten out of his race car, Maxime Martin. You've done this race so many times before in GT. How much better is it to be in the top class and just pass everything? Yeah, it's definitely uh, a, a big step. The biggest thing is that you don't have to look in the mirror so much. Uh, you're passing the car. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. It's definitely, yeah, the GTP is now uh, very competitive. It's a brand new car from last year. Um, a lot of systems and things, but, uh, yeah, very excited. You're now in the 25 BMW, sharing with Conardy Felipe and Nick Yellily. They got more podiums than anyone else did in that class last year. Are you feeling that the trend can continue into this year? I mean, it's uh, it's definitely the goal. Um, they have been winning one race, five podiums. Um, so we just have to try to win more races, try to, be, to win the big ones, and, uh, yeah, and see from there. But, uh, like I say, competition is very hard, but uh, we have a good package. Team is doing a good job. BMW car is looking fast at the moment so yeah let's see how different is the data from last year because you guys have almost a completely different BOP to where we were 12 months ago yeah it's completely different uh, for sure last year was uh, a difficult year because it was the first first year of all cars but also all the project was quite late and everything was was not easy we are definitely a lot more settled everything is way more prepared so yeah, BOP is different, so we are definitely closer, and uh, so I think it can be a nice battles. Fingers crossed. Good luck. Thank you. That's Maxime Martin of the number 25 BMW M Team RLL. Max is a, another great character. Watched his career down through the years. It's, uh, nothing but 100% from that driver, Peter. And very versatile very strong very very strong had a huge amount of success with the Aston Martin factory um, just a yeah plug and play top driver great to see him getting a prototype opportunity uh, several drivers you can say that and that's what this GTP and again coming back to our pathway point I mean we're talking about a very experienced drivers here but and yet there's a lot of them who have had to wait for that opportunity to go to a prototype so and that's what this new burst of activity in GTP and indeed Le Mans Hypercar that's opened up those uh, those opportunities. GTP Grand Touring Prototype it's an old name for the top class, Whoop, bit of a spin for the 55, it's the light blue Mustang um, which is a, a very pretty livery indeed and that's at the Gianmarco Liberato uh, and that's at the, I'm pleased you said that at the <laughs> um, International Horseshoe at the We've got the works cars as well here. And those are the uh, TF cars. That's the... Uh, excuse me, the... Uh, it has been a long day, hasn't it? Did he get a little help there? No, he didn't. He just got in a little bit deep on the brakes and couldn't quite get it slowed down in time. He had Larry Tenvorda behind him in the 86 MDK portion. Larry did well, actually, to avoid him. Larry, funnily enough, had just set his best lap of the uh, the session that car's best lap a 147 flat to be the fastest Porsche mm. uh, I told you he was quick yeah, you <laughs> did, Proton <laughs> was the team that I was stumbling for apologise to Christian Reid still just sort of getting used to Proton running other manufacturers but that is a very Proton livery and Christian's always like double numbers as well Yes, and the, a lot of the, the, the colour scheme comes from uh, Ryan Hardwick's affiliation with First Form, 
Um, the, the car that won the GTD category, the Porsche, with Wright Motorsports two years ago, in 2022, had a very similar colour scheme. And Ryan stayed, although he switched manufacturer, he stayed very loyal to the Proton team. He really likes working with them. Um, Mustang and Corvette, the newest of the GT3s, you and I had a good crawl over the Ferrari 296 at the Nürburgring last year, which was then the new kid on the block, and we remarked on how much that had taken the category forward. Now, it is a balance of performance category, but even so, you look at the new Mustang in particular and what's going on around the front of that car with an engine underneath it, let's not forget. And that's another step forward, isn't it, Peter? From what I understand, Multimatic have been inundated with uh, demand for the car, yeah, so they're gonna they're gonna be, they can make one about one at full capacity one every couple of weeks. So they, I think it's going to be a, a car that as soon as drivers try it, from every, everything I've heard so far, it seems to be a very friendly car to yes. drive, <laughs> and that's Absolute really important. Key. Yeah. So and qu- so different to what Multimatic developed with the Ford GT, which is a pure pro car for pro regulations with confidential tyres and uh, if uh, if you get the chance go back and uh, look in our uh, catch it on the podcast yesterday's midweek motorsport caught up with Dirk Muller for about 10 minutes and he shared a lot about the development process with the car and what's gone into it and uh, how it was different to developing this car over the the Ford GT but they've had it on track for over a year yeah so it's it's it should be ready to go well, it seems as though Faf are making a liar of both Peter and me because they're coming back out for the last 14 minutes of the session and there's still people on their pit stand. I, I was starting to make a point about GTP. GTP Grand Touring Prototype, an, an old name, a classic heritage name from IMSA's past for the top class of motor racing. However, I think it's probably as relevant if not more relevant now than it ever was because the new top class the idea is that they have styling cues from the manufacturers and you were talking there about drivers getting second leases where are those drivers come from they've come from gte gt le mans and every driver that i've spoken to have said that driving a gtp is like driving a little bit bigger a little bit heavier perhaps a little bit more powerful uh, GT Le Mans car. They have the same sort of dynamic qualities the way they move around. It's a big car and it's a heavy car for a prototype. Uh, no anti-lock brakes. Uh, yes, they have traction control but not quite as sophisticated as it would have been in the GT Le Mans days. These are a car that take a bit of driving and the GT drivers have taken to them, Peter, like a duck to water. Very, very much so. And a, a lot of a lot of those drivers really went out and tried to get themselves as many opportunities in the prototypes off their own back. Um, we saw that before, kind of leading up to this era, and some had to work quite hard to be able to get themselves into those positions, and they, they'll reap the rewards for yeah. that, it must be said. Shea Adam, CrowdStrike pit reporter, what do you have? 
Thank you very much to Gar Robinson for the intel. It looks like Josh Burden had run something over in the number 74 Riley LMP2 machine because both of the right side tires had gone flat. So that's why he stopped out on the track. Didn't want to drive it back, do any damage to the floor or anything like that. But that's also why they were able to get the car back out so quickly. Thank you, Shit. Heads up stuff. Yeah, and sometimes that in the longer race, get the car back. Particularly if there's a yellow, get the car back, get it fixed, get it back out there. That car running nicely at the moment, just going round the outside of the AWA Corvette number 13. They've got a very strong driver lineup. Uh, Felipe Fraga is just one of the most, it's just one of the most fantastic drivers. Um, not necessarily a household household name. Those in the sports car racing world really do know, really do know him now. But he's really fast. Felipe Massa has really impressed me. How quickly he's picked up this LMP2 car um, and picked up going through the traffic and all those sorts of things. And uh, Gar Robinson, very strong silver graded oh. driver. Josh Burton, likewise. So they, no matter who's in the car at any given point of the race, that 74 Ranch Resort car is going to be motoring along at a good pace. At IMSA Radio, thank you for the pictures coming in. Um, just some news coming in from Anthony, thank you. Uh, directing me to sportscar365.com article. Ford Multimatic ramping up production of GT3s. Original plan to build two Mustangs a month, so around about 25 to 30 cars. Uh, in two Mustangs a month, that was. Um, so one every two weeks, as Peter said. 30 cars in the first couple of years. Now looking like 40 to 45 cars. Wow. Where are they all going to go? Uh, watch, watch this think space, Think of the Jeremy. spares you've got to make. Well, Just think of that. That's the other thing. You've got to be able 50, to support the 50, 50 cars worth of spares. Mm. That's a massive production but wow. look at all the places you can race GT3 around yeah. the world yeah. true, true. so you know you've got you've got four here at the moment you've got two more in the world endurance championship we haven't seen any customers in ELMS or in any of the SRO series um, as of next year it'll be eligible for the Bathurst 12 hours so Intercontinental GT Nürburgring yeah how about how about this just something to look forward to it won't happen this year I'm relatively certain it won't happen this year but watch for the end of this year in once the Nürburgring gets its long distance races running how about Ford versus Corvette for the Nürburgring 24 because that's coming it's not that out with the realms of possibility definitely yeah well we're Fairly, the, oh, the, the noises are good about Corvette. But hang on a second, good. my phone is ringing. Johnny O'Connell's on the line. <laughs> Johnny O'Connell, now a bronze driver <laughs> who has his Nurburgring permit. He got Does his he? permit, and oh, he raced in a Renault Clio when you could still race in a Clio a few years ago, and had the time of his life. And he will be banging on the door of Pratt Miller. We've got a pretty good bronze graded driver next door in race control and. Certain David Donahue, winner of this race in 2009. Mm. We were talking about bronze drivers <laughs> that manufacturers could call on. Max Angelelli, Tinto Capello, Guy Smith. Guy's not a bronze, is he? 
Th- I, uh, no. no, 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 no. Is he still a silver? Um, uh, at least, if not. Din- gold. Well, Dindo's yeah. definitely a bronze now. Uh, Martin Brundle. Is he bronze? Yep, through his age. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah, I know. It's, oh, no, the wonder I can't get any try. He's a bronze. Just an improvement there from McConaughey Filippi in oh. car number 25. Excellent. Goes up into third position in the uh, now fastest of the BMWs. Just nips ahead of the number 24 car. The time was set much earlier by Philip Eng. 136.320 then for Conor Filippi. Behind only the number 31 Cadillac. Time set very early by Pipo Durrani. 135.708. And Felipe Nasser. In number seven, Penske Porsche 963, 136.018. So, uh, pretty equally uh, matched the space, I should say, those top three cars. And the two BMWs separated by, well, next to nothing, just uh, uh, one hundredth of a second, 0.012. So, your... um your suggestions for all-star teams for the following manufacturers, with at least one or two, one at least one bronze driver. Hang on a second, we just had a little incident. Et, oh, another oh, car yo, hitting yo, the yo, curb yo. too Corvette. hard coming in. This is the number three Corvette, second place in GTT Pro for Daniel Hunkadea in the Corvette racing by Pratt Miller Machine. Nicky Katzberg. Is quickest in GTD Pro ahead. Those two ahead of uh, the Iron Links Lamborghini Huracan, which has Matteo Cairoli at the wheel. Nurburgring 24 All Star teams for this is pure fantasy because I want Bentley to come back. Aston Martin, Ford, and Corvette. So all the big, all the big manufacturers. That was a horrible moment for Danny Hamkadea. It was, isn't it? Just too much curb on the way in is yeah. what unsettled that. Yeah. He was trying to touring car the curb a little bit too much. Yeah, maybe you can do that in the Mercedes, apparently not in the, in the Corvette. <laughs> it's, we're talking a game of inches, though, Jeremy, aren't we? He yeah. wasn't that far offline there. Comes through next time around, hits the curb, what looks to be just as hard, but either at a slightly different angle or not quite as far over with his left-hand side Michelin tyres. All-star teams then at IMSA Radio. At least one bronze driver. One special bronze driver. So veteran or historically associated with the brand. So somebody like Dindo Capello for, for Audi. Martin Brundle's driven for Aston, of course. You should have Martin and Alex. Martin, Alex and Peter Kate. Uh, would be my Aston team. That'd be pretty. I'm gonna, pretty I would go David Donahue. Oh, would be my bronze. So I've got to have a bronze and then a silver. Well, you've got to have at least a bronze. Okay, uh, but all star, all star, you know, sort of old school, maybe David. Who else? Could, yeah, you can have three bronzes if you want. I'll, I'll start a new class for it. Max As, Angelelli. Max Angelelli and Johnny, Johnny O'Connell. O'Connell. Yeah, <laughs> in a Corvette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, excellent. And Jeremy Shaw for the long races. Uh. In fact, you're probably still a silver, Jeremy, aren't you? Yeah. (laughs) The joy of me starting racing so late is I can't ever be anything other than bronze. 
quite comfortable with bronze, no problems there. <laughs> Is there something underneath bronze? That would be me, solder. Uh, actually, Dindo <laughs> um, Capello has not got a, a grading, actually. Has he not? Sure he yeah, Loris Caparossi, MotoGP rider, does. What's Bro- bronze. Right. What's Bill Oblin then? Gold. Is he? Right. Yeah. I think he's silver. I think he was downgraded. He's, he's definitely not. I checked it before we, we left. Because it's a, it's a bizarre scenario to not have Bill here. You just think he's part of the furniture yeah. at any IMSA race. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, we miss, miss him being part of the circus here. Still it's been so, a long, long time. Still yeah. Who else did I? Oh, Stefan Johansson's a bronze now. That's a very good shout. Um, not as he'd got his bronze. Johnny Morlam's a silver. No. Is he really? Yes. So he is. Yes. Goodness. Yeah, that's quite... For Phil Hansen, number 85, JDC, Miller Motorsports, Porsche, seventh fastest for the banana boat, the yellow, yellow car. Good yellow. It's confusing to see a, a customer Porsche 963 running number five, which was the case for JDC last year. This year it's the Proton team. And JDC taking its uh, yellow livery back to, back to number 85 car, which it used to be yeah. a few years ago. So there's, there's so many confusing little switches uh, amongst the uh, drivers and teams and what have you compared to last and, year. And Mustang Sampler, which used to be an yeah. Action Express car. As yeah, well. exactly. Like, yeah. And the yeah. five, a number five. So the, the six and the seven, which we see on the two Porsche Penske Motorsport cars, that's, those are two classic Penske numbers. Right. have been for many, many, many years. But when... Penske and Porsche last run a prototype together the RS Spider. it was the 6 car and the 7 car um, but then they brought in a 3rd car for the last 2 races of the programme, an extra one to try and win the championship and that was the number 5 and it's 5 and 6 in the WEC uh, not 6 and 7 not 6 and 7 well it was last year Okay. So I haven't seen the entry list yet for and the 6 was always the one that had the white stripes so that was common across the 2 championships and the five had the black stripes, and the seven had the black, black stripes. And then, of course, there was the rainbow stripes for the 75th anniversary at Le Mans, which were all the different colours of the art cars and the special cars. So there's a bit yep. of Pink Pig in there. Bit of Martini. Bit of Martini, yeah, etc., etc. Bit of Funky Green from the Martini um, hippie car. That's Eve's favourite. That, car. That, that car is quite funny the, the, the hippie car was when it raced it was purple with green swooshes but actually in practice it was purple with white swooshes Correct. and uh, Hans-Dieter Dechen the team manager of, uh, of, the Mar- of the German racing team as it was but they were branded then as Martini um, uh, he thought that's ah, no, not wild enough and got the, the green spray cans out <laughs> and there to was, fill in the white bits and although that was a Martini entered car um Count Rossi was Count not a Rossi fan. Was not, not a, fan. a fan, and there were no Martini stickers on that car. There was about one about the size oh, of there? your mobile phone, yeah, on on the flanks of it. Yeah, whereas the pink pig, the, oh, sorry, that's was, right, it was the pink which pig, which was also Martini car. Yes, has, he refused. He refused point blank. Yeah, yeah. but the, the the cuts, the cut lines, and the names, the cut lines were on, but the names weren't added till race day morning on that car. Overnight special. Yeah. Baker. 
classic. Never won, of course, but it did when it was a GT car. It did. Interestingly. Uh, yep, Kevin, uh, Lawrence and Michael put that right. Lawrence has everything Pink Pig you could ever think uh, even of. Even a bicycle. He has a bicycle <laughs> in Pink Pig colours. Absolutely right. 16 seconds to go. Questionable taste, I would suggest, but uh, every, each one each do to their own. Jeremy. He does a lot of cycling, does uh, Lawrence Van Ter. The cycling or the pink pig well, colours, or both? Yeah, combined combination. For the record, you, Mr. Shaw is nodding. You want to be seen on the bike. Well, so, so picture this: Lawrence Van Ter on a pink pig coloured bike in pink pig lycra on his top because he's got the he's got the top to go with. Check the flag is out. We know the uh, Tim Fulbrook of uh, Only Endurance actually has told us why they can't have the seven Team Penske that says a Penske Porsche Motorsport because Toyota have already got it. Because they've yes, of course, yes, yes, in, in WEC, correct, yes, yeah, yeah, they're seven and eight, correct. Mm. Seven, the most. I think seven is still the most successful number at Le Mans. I have to check that up. It was a few years ago, but a lot of that goes back to when the cars were numbered. Uh, number one was the car with the biggest engine, and they were lined ah. up with the biggest engine. Bentley old number seven. Too. Bentley old number seven, absolutely. Uh, so the checkered flag is out, Jeremy, and we have a decent spread of times. Just on a second for the GTP team, just over a second for the GTP field, should I yeah. say? An improvement on that last lap by Sebastian Bourdais up into fourth place, just ahead of Conor Di Filippi, who jumped into that position not too long ago. So fastest on the evening is the number 10 no, excuse me number 31 Cadillac the time was set by Pipo Durrani at 135.708 second fastest Felipe Nasser number 7 Penske Porsche 136.0 136.1 for Sebastian Bourdain number 01 second of the uh, Cadillacs then the two BMWs in fourth and fifth Conor Filippi in number 25 136.320 teammate Philip Eng 136.332 and then in sixth position is Colton Herter there's another switch for you he's been driving BMWs for the last several years this year of course switching across to the Acura team of W2TR with Andretti his sixth quickest in this session 136.5. Let's head down to Shea Adam before we sign off for the evening. Down at the middle of the pit lane by the Rolex gate. Down here in AO World and I uh, want to check in really quickly with PJ Hyatt because uh, PJ, we, we talked during the roar. We didn't really know what kind of experience it was going to be in the P2 car. How different is it from the cold weather of the roar to now the warmth of, uh, well, race week? Yeah, I think the car's sliding around a little bit more because of the track temps and just the hotter temperatures in general. But, I mean, the cars are still fast this weekend. So, yeah, it's just a learning process, figuring out how to get the setup right for the different track temp. But, yeah, it was, it was nice and cool last weekend, not so much now. How's the P2 car at night compared to the GT? That's a great question. I um, I think the P2 car in general is just far different of a driving experience than the GT car one, one that I've been really enjoying. So, hot or cold, it's it's fun. Good luck uh, in these warmer conditions. Thank you. Share Adam down in the pit lane with the AO team. PJ Hyatt down there, and that brings to an end a very long, but busy and interesting Thursday here yeah. at Daytona International. Speedway. I'll run through the top times in the other 
uh, classes for you. Crowd strike by APR were quickest in LMP2 ahead of uh, the number two United Autosports and the 18 Era Motorsports car. They were your top three separated by just on uh, four tenths of a second. In GTD, the pros came to the fore tonight. They decided to wake up and come and play. And the top four GTs were all GTD pros. Corvette racing by Pratt Miller. Four from three, notwithstanding the issues that the three had had earlier on. They bounced back this evening. They were separated in true Corvette style by under a tenth of a second. And then it was another tenth back to the Lamborghini Huracan of Iron Lynx. Uh, half a tenth to the Mustang of Ford Multipack. I should say this, the 60 uh, uh, Iron Lynx uh, Lamborghini. The 64 Ford Multimatic Mustang. Uh, and then the best of the GTDs, MDK Motorsport. Fifth best of the GTs overall. Uh, and first in GTD for the number 86 of MDK. Wayne Taylor Lamborghini with uh, Graham Doyle finishing that car stint in second. And Chetilar Racing in third. And again, um, half a tenth, uh, a quarter of a tenth, and just on a tenth, the gap there between the cars. So plenty to talk about, plenty to think about. And when we come back tomorrow, we've got two races and a bit more practice as well with Mazda, the Whale of Mazda Championship, and also, with, of course, with the Michelin Pilot four-hour M Endurance, BMW M Endurance race. Shea Adam has been doing sterling work uh, down in the pit lane for us as our crowd strike uh, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship uh, pit lane reporter in the last session. It was Jeremy Shaw and Peter McKay alongside me, John Hindorf. Uh, Kerry Cobb and uh, Tim Gray back up in London. And thanks to our production team up in Concord, North Carolina as well. Alyssa, who did uh, all of the hard work for us for the pictures on Mazda. And, of course, the responsible adult, uh, along uh, with uh, Christine and the rest of our MP team on site here as well, who made sure we could talk to you and the world. Take it easy as you go home. Have a splendid Thursday night and set yourself up for Friday, where we have a fast Friday. Two races from Daytona International Speedway, and they're all live on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV. Good night. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.